Let's get some hot music. I don't mind that song. And that, of course, was the Greater Western Sydney theme song, and we are going to uh, be using this first episode to uh, begin our series on uh, team reviews and previews and whatnot this year, and we're going to be talking uh, GWS with Ian W. Ian, thanks for coming on, mate. It's a pleasure. And, uh, look, I think uh, you've had a gr- congratulations on your on your Round 1 win. What Thank is it? Wh- what are we going to learn from Sydney this year, uh, from GWS this year? First thing is it's still a question, can they run out four quarters? While it was a great effort on the weekend, there was an unscheduled half-hour delay in the middle, and that could have given the kids enough rest to be able to run out that last 15 minutes the way they did. Okay. Um, So Leon Cameron is now coaching GWS. What uh, what changes can we expect from him in in that area? Not much. Um, Sheedy's role has always been the motivator, the man manager, the public face of the club, while there's been another guy who does the day-to-day hands-on things. Um, if you remember our win against Wade, the guy revving up the boys at the three-quarter time was Mark Williams. So Sheedy has always been the head coach. He's always been in charge of direction and team structure and the direction we're going to go, but there's always been someone else who is getting on with the job of being, if you like, Prime Minister, to Sheedy being head of state. Okay, guys, comments, questions? No? Oh, I don't know. Who's going to go first? Any, just ask Right, one. you go first. I'm just sidetracked with a minute for the kids. Go first. All right. Uh, first question, I guess, is um, can I please have one of Boyd, uh, Cameron, <laughs> or Patton at Essendon, please? Thank you, but no thank you. On the other hand, it's going to be entirely possible that key position prospects like Jacksh and Tomlinson may be going, I'm not getting a regular game in the firsts and if Essendon get in the year of their manager with phrases like three million dollars over four years then you can get them in exactly the same way that we got Lamb out of Sydney. Alright, well on that topic, do you fear um, any excess at all of young players or even older players I guess um, as they start to come out of contract in the coming years? I don't fear it. I recognise the fact it's inevitable. Um, The backroom boys at GWS, Silvani and so on, have done an incredible job. We've got um, Jonathan O'Rourke and a couple of 
um, any FL depth players coming off contract this year, everyone else is coming off contract in 2015. We'll be offering contract extensions to the one we want to ones we want to keep, and we'll be trying to deal the ones that aren't getting a regular run in the firsts. All right. Have you had a chance to look at the free agency um, candidates for this year? Uh, yes, I have. Do you reckon there'll be any midfielders there, um, experienced ones, to help complement young midfield that you might target? Uh, help complement ones coming into GWS. Um, as in sort of that um, heart and body, so you're like your Callum Ward type, to as so your Caniglios, your Whitfields, and all that stuff continue to develop. You get that sort of senior bodies around you. We're we're going to be spending our money on keeping our own free agents. Um, just I. We had a bunch of money to spend this year because of the front-loading of um, Scully and Ward and Davis, but that money's been spent. Um, if And we made bids on a Dane Swan, for example. We'd be spending the money that's supposed to keep Coniglio and Shield and Whitfield and Hoskin Elliott at the club. Um, we're going to be sellers, not buyers. All right, um, and how have the new facilities been treating GWS out there? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about them? We have now pretty much completely moved to the Olympic Park precinct at Homebush. Blacktown had the problem that essentially the cricket wanted to use it over the summer, so it wasn't available 12 months a year for off-season training. So we built Tom's over. We built a new set of quality um facilities and the players love them and they're going really well. Alright, and how do you how's um supporter development going out there? We've seen recently in the A League we've got Western Sydney Warriors come in and be a powerhouse already. Um what areas are the AFL and GWS targeting to further develop that supporter base? Sydney being the town it is don't show up unless you're winning, no matter if you're the Waratahs, if you're um, S- Sydney um, in the Association Football, whether you're Parramatta, whether you're Penrith, Sydney Swans, unless you're winning, crowds don't come. It's a process. The guys are going out and they're doing a lot of schools. They're supporting a lot of the local clubs, they're getting the Tigers branding into the local footy club. One of the things that's always impressed me about Giants games is the number of little tackers running around the field. Uh, the fact that, you know, there are a crowd of, you know, 8,000 and it seems like there's 2,000 kids playing kick-to-kick on the ground afterwards is something that, to me, says that those kids are going to grow up and be bringing their kids to see the Giants play. It's a process. All right, so then what's your long-term vision for the club? Do you do you see yourself as a powerhouse club in the competition or do you see yourself as more of a boutique club? I see it in 20 years' time, the idea that there will be two footy clubs in Sydney to be like the way we thought five years ago where, you know, no AFL side in Sydney, that'd be unthinkable. So I see us as a happy part of the 
ecosystem. I hope that um, the game continues to develop. I hope that um, we are able to establish a support base that is about equal, if not one of the traditional Melbourne big clubs, able to easily look um, any of the other New South Wales clubs in any code in the eye and go, you know, we're a viable footy team. We're not scratching from hand to mouth each year. We're in a ground that's the right size for us and we're occasionally moving our big games across the road to ANZ. Okay. Um, right. Sorry, you had more? I was going to just ask a few a few quick questions, nuts, get down to the nitty-gritty. No, go nuts. Sure. All right. <laughs> okay, Ian, down to some nitty-gritty stats for 2014. Let's get some predictions from you. Where do you see GWS finishing on the ladder this year? Before we knocked over the Swans, I would have said 16th. I'll eight and 16th. Um, I think that we're going to be able to deal with the Melbournes and the St Kilders of this one. That only puts it about four wins. I see us as getting about seven or eight wins. I see us as being um, somewhere around probably 10th to 12th. Ian, you need to move away from your mic again, mate. Um, I see us as having about uh, eight to ten wins. I see that putting us about... 10th to 12th with the very right. even nature of this year. And any other big surprises for, for 2014 besides Sydney or you see another big scalp in the midst there? From the way that Collingwood and Carlton played this week and from the way we played against Collingwood last year, I think they're both possibilities, but whether you'd call them a big scalp depends on how you see the AFL. And last, last of all, um, Jeremy Cameron. Are we going to see Jeremy win the common medal this year? Geez, I hope so. I mean, he he is just a marvel and a wonder to see play. I mean, a guy who is able to do what he can on a football field and take pack marks and kick straight. Um, it it's like we're watching one of the guys who has a legitimate shot of being one of the greats. Um, I think he'll give the Coleman a shake. Um, I think it'll be great to see him do it. Okay. Now, quick ones from me, Ian. Um, where do you think your biggest uh, deficiency is in your list? Do you think it's um, your small forwards? And will you see any midfielders um, possibly push in there once you start to get more of those uh, top guys back? Well, the thing is, we... Spent money on small forwards in free agency. We um, did some sleaze with the uh, rookie draft and brought in, sorry, the pro season draft and brought in Lamb from Sydney. We hired Addison from the Bulldogs. Small forward was something that we didn't see that we had with the list we had and pushing our copious number of midfielders into it didn't seem to be doing the job either. So, you know, Lamb and Addison, and Addison seemed to play pretty well on the weekend. It's his job until you lose it. And, you know, if you're a small forward, then the idea of bludging off uh, 
Patton and Cameron once the ball hits the deck, that'd have to be pretty uh, effective. Um, with Moore still injured and Davis back for a good long time, there's a question mark around the defence. Um, Frost played a great game on the weekend. I'm confident that Tomlinson and Core could both stand up in that role. And we might even see um, Gillum come back from the reserves to play firsts. Cool. And our last question, quick, out of Addison, Mumford, Hunt and Shaw that's come to your side this year, who's going to have the best year? Mumford. Uh, Mumford's physical strength and his ability to get the ball once it gets on the deck is going to do great things to our clearance work and our clearance work was already pretty good. Okay. Um, Obviously these guys have asked a lot of questions about uh, how the club is performing on the field. Um, As you and I have discussed in the past, I'm something of an off-field man myself. Um, 17,000 at Spotless Stadium on the weekend. That's a Pretty good crowd for Sydney, especially in that particular weather. Um, are we going to see more of that this year? My feeling from analysing quite a lot of crowd figures across quite a lot of codes is that Sydney crowds, and I'm talking about every footy team in Sydney across every code, are lagged 12 months from success. There are a hell of a lot of theatre goers in Sydney and they show up the year after they hear a team wins a lot. I'd be expecting a lot of crowds at Skoda to be in the range of ten to 13,000, but I'm not expecting a lot of crowds in the 17 to 20,000, which is closer to 20 if people didn't look out the window and go, oh my, look at those clouds roll in. Yeah. Now, your memberships are also, they're about 1,500 behind where they were at the same time last year. Um, one of only three clubs, St Kilda and West Coast being the other two that are, are behind the same point where they were last year. Not not something to be worried about at this, at this point. There's but... lies, damn lies, and match memberships. I'd be a lot more interested in seeing the dollar amount that the club had bought in for membership info rather than, you know... We quote a number of whatever, how many three-game memberships, how many five-game memberships, how many, you know, supporting memberships taken out by people. As as it happens... Up that number. As as it happens, GWS made $1.46 last year off uh, membership and merchandise. Um, To put that in perspective, most clubs in Victoria generate about $1.4, $1.5 in merchandise alone. Um, so there's a fair way to go in the membership. In terms of the club made a profit last year, if you're wondering, uh, they reported a thirty thousand dollar profit, GWS. But there's eighteen million dollars of AFL input, of which about eight million dollars is above, uh, not accounted for in the AFL's payments to clubs, but comes out of their new markets funding. So, yeah, if if you if you ever ask. If you ever asked how much the AFL is chipping in, it was $8 million last year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the um, the other question I'd ask is how much of that is 
um, capex on contributions to Skoda Stadium, um, sorry, Spotless Stadium, and how much of it was direct support of the clubs. Yes, that's about right. That's about what I'd expect. And now, in terms of membership, they'll way out in front of many clubs in the competition. Uh, sponsorship came to nine point one million. Now, to put that in perspective, West Coast and Fremantle they're at about four and a half, four to five million each in their in their sponsorship. It, one of one of the odd things about the AFL is that with the very strict limit on um, salary cap payments and the fact that even Collingwood runs out of things to pay for off-field training, if you're a club like Frio or West Coast Eagles, vast demand for memberships and such an ability to charge such high prices for your ground. Why die in a ditch to get commercial sponsorships when you can keep the club ticking over quite happily on membership revenue from the fact that you're in an AFL state that's limited to two sides? I will I will say that their salary bill, their wage and salary bill, is a lot higher than most clubs. Uh, Which Giants? The Giants. Carlton's salary bill last year came to about $13 million, uh, Whereas the Giants came in at about eighteen point eight million, are they? They're yeah. operating under an increased salary cap. I think what you'll find is that um, a fair amount of that would be money paid to people like our Sam Reid, who we thought he tried hard, but we moved him up to being a coach. If you have a look at the money that's going to people like Chad Corns and James McDonald, who signed with GWS on the expectation that they'd be coaches, that money's going to turn up in the salaries bill, even if it's uncapped. Okay. Now, will that be sustainable in the long term? I think that the AFL is willing to support the club for the first five years under the new market funding, and after that we're far more out in the cold, hard world by ourselves, with the theory being by then we've had a bit of a success, and a bad crowd is now fifteen to 18,000, rather than a good crowd being fifteen to 18,000. But the day is going to come where GWS can't rely on the AFL to chip in five to eight million dollars every year on the couch uh jason dunstall said on monday night that break even for spotless stadium is seven thousand people um seven thousand paying people one assumes um i don't envisage that being too much of a problem in a couple of years time the amount that the afl is chipping in now that eight million that is about what you would expect when gate receipts and memberships are taken into play from a very from a small club um, so it seems that the AFL is chipping in for what the support isn't there yet for, but that support will come if the club can actually generate some success in a few years' time. An example I'd use of what happened if you don't do that is what happened to Rugby League in Western Australia where the club went broke once and an entire area was abandoned to its competitors. I believe the Sydney Swans went broke four times in the 1990s and the AFL kept putting them back up on their feet. And you've now got, despite what Richard Collis says, a pretty darn solid position yep. for the Sydney Swans where, unlike the 1990s, we're not asking if they you know, get, re- get merged with Carlton and got renamed the two Blues. 
The last the last observation I'll make on this before we move on is that GWS are actually run from Sydney. Uh, they're not. Well, there'd be some oversight from uh, AFL House, but they are actually run and operated by a board in Sydney. Gold Coast until November last year was still run from Melbourne, um, which is found in their annual reports. Moving, which is an indication that uh, GWS are probably doing better than people thought they were. Moving along, guys, and thank you very much, uh, Ian, for a very in-depth uh, look at uh, GWS. You're welcome. I think we're the only two people that voluntarily read club annual reports. Uh, Russell Ebert Hamble's about as fanatical as I am when it comes to these things. We could have been here for hours if he'd come <laughs> on tonight. 